Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome, everybody, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all my work online, texfootball.com. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Make sure and also check out the recruiting edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Rising Magazine. It's hitting bookstores any day now. You might have seen online already, but Texas A&M offensive tackle commit from Atascacita. Kenyon Green is on the cover. He's considered by many to be the top overall player in the state of Texas. And I did have some people ask me, if you are on the summer edition, does that mean that you are guaranteed to have a player on the winter recruiting edition? No, that's just a coincidence. (laughs) Obviously, the past couple of years, Cliff Kingsbury was on the cover, and then Jet Duffy was on the cover of the recruiting magazine, Tom Herman on the cover of the summer magazine. Uh, Who was the last year? Keontae Ingram was on the cover of the recruiting magazine this year. Jimbo Fisher's on the cover of the magazine. Offensive tackle, Kenyon Green's on the cover of the magazine. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. You guys put an offensive lineman on the cover of a recruiting magazine, and heck yeah, we did. It actually looks really cool. I mean, I was a little skeptical when they decided to do it, but it's actually ended up looking really, really good. I think that you're going to enjoy it. You'll get all the greatest breakdowns from Next Level Athlete and our recruiting expert, Greg Powers. Uh, they rank players, and, and don't just look at it for if you're a Texas or Texas A&M fan. We, we rank a lot of the best players in the state, whether or not they play at a big school or a small school. No matter what, if you're a fan of football in the state of Texas, you're going to have to check out this magazine. And again, it'll be on bookstores soon. Uh, it'll be on bookshelves soon, and you can find it at texfootball.com. Make sure and order it as soon as possible. And actually, the quickest way that you can get it is uh, is to be a Dave Campbell Sex Football subscriber, texfootball.com slash subscribe. If you're not already doing that, then I don't know what you're doing because you're missing out on some of the best recruiting content, best college content, and of course, the best high school content that there is on the internet. So check it out. Make sure and subscribe. We got a great show for you today, guys. We've actually got... Texas A&M Commerce's new coach, David Bailiff, on the program. Obviously, David Bailiff, lengthy, lengthy career in the state of Texas coaching football. Uh, Most well-known probably for his stint at Rice University. Led them to their first conference championship since the 1950s, outright that is. Uh, Led Texas State to the national semifinals at the FCS level. Led Rice to two of their three 10-win seasons in program history. And now he's taking on a new job. He's taking over for Colby Carthel over at Texas A&M Commerce. It's a difficult path to follow up. He even said, I mean, Colby's a lot younger than he is, uh, 17 years younger, I believe. But it's big shoes for a guy to step into. Even though this is a coach who is respected, is beloved in the state of Texas, David Bailey has a tough job ahead of him. We talked to him all about that, about some of his protégés. It's a great interview. We'll get to that a little later in the show. First, I wanted to talk about some news items. Uh, Two quarterbacks who started for most of last season have decided to transfer in the state of Texas. First, we'll talk about TC quarterback Sean Robinson. Now, Robinson's transfer is a little surprising just because of the the timing of it. Robinson was the starter for most of the season heading into the year, and he was, let's say, inconsistent. Sometimes he looked like an absolute world beater. And and you saw both of these sides in many of the games that he played in for TCU. Uh, against Ohio State was a perfect example. He had some passes down the sideline against a really, really good Ohio State team that 
made him look like a future star. And we saw those flashes at DeSoto if you're a high school football fan. Um, he leads DeSoto to their first ever state championship. But the turnover bug just cannot go away with him. Uh, over a five-game stretch, he had 10 turnovers. That's just not going to do it. You can't turn the ball over that many times and expect to win football games. And um, unfortunately, it seems like he's decided to take his talent somewhere else. We, we hope the best for him, of course. Uh, you know, We hope that he ends up in a situation where maybe he doesn't have so much immediate pressure on him. Because when TCU signed Sean Robinson, that was the immediate thought. Uh, that Sean Robinson was the highest quarterback recruit, the highest rated recruit at quarterback that Gary Patterson has ever had. And so he was thought that maybe he could come in and replicate some of the success that Trevon Boykin was able to have under Sonny Cumbie pretty quickly. But at the same time, I think it's obviously unfair to try and compare Sean Robinson, a player who was quite a bit more raw, I think, that in a lot of ways, than Trevon Boykin was heading into year three under Sonny Cumbie. And he just kind of crumbled under the pressure in some ways. You know, he did complete about 61% of his passes, 1,334 yards, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions, but only a 122 quarterback rating. And again, the numbers just don't quite do it justice. Robinson is an electric athlete. I mean, he's one of the best that you'll see. Um, You know, I don't know what exactly is next for him. Uh, You know, he could consider going to a JUCO. He could consider transferring and sitting out a year. This is a former four-star quarterback. So in the right system, under the right coach, maybe something works out. But unfortunately, that will not be at TCU. His departure leaves TCU without very much experience under center. Michael Collins is the only returning quarterback on the roster that has thrown a pass uh, who will return next season. He was a former walk-on and a transfer from the University of Pennsylvania. And then behind him, a lot of TCU fans think maybe Justin Rogers can be the savior of that position. Justin Rogers is the best recruit, maybe even overall recruit, that Gary Patterson's ever gotten. He was like a top 50 sort of kid, a borderline five-star quarterback. But unfortunately... Uh, he hasn't played football in almost two years because Rodgers suffered a bad, bad knee injury early in his 2017 senior season. He hasn't played in a game since then. Uh, even with all the injuries that TCU suffered down the stretch and all the games they had to win just to make a bowl game, which they eventually did, Rodgers still wasn't able to get any playing time, which sort of makes me think that this knee injury was as bad, if not worse, than we thought and he might not be ready as quickly as we want him to be. TCU also has a quarterback from a 2019 uh, commit, Max Dugan from Iowa. Uh, he was an Elite 11 quarterback, but again, he's never played at a level like this. He's never played against competition like this. Uh, I think TCU will and should be active on the grad transfer market, but at the same time, there's not a whole ton of options. But actually, that's a good transition. Moving from Fort Worth down to University Park, SMU quarterback Ben Hicks has decided that he will transfer from the program. Hicks leaves as the all-time leading passer in the history of SMU, along with a whole bunch of other records. And a big part of that has to do with Chad Morris and the fact that he started for three years. But, I mean, Hicks was a productive quarterback. Uh, He really struggled in 2018 just because a lot of his weapons ended up leaving for the NFL. Obviously, Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn being primary among him, among them. And now James Prochet did have a great season in 2018, but he was kind of the only reliable option that Ben Hicks consistently had at the position. 
And so Hicks has decided that he will try things out elsewhere. Now, Hicks, again, was a fourth-year junior, so he should be able to graduate, should be able to graduate transfer, should be immediately eligible at the FBS level. And obviously, the immediate thing that everyone thinks is that Ben Hicks has a great chance of going to Arkansas. Arkansas, of course, where Chad Morris is, where his former head coach is, and they had a whole lot of issues at quarterback this season. Um, you know, they they brought in some guys like Cole Kelly, who I believe is transferring, Ty Story, Connor Noland is on that roster, John Stephen Jones, obviously, uh, Jerry Jones' grandson, but none of them looked particularly impressive. Story led the way with 1,584 yards, but completed just 57% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Hicks is better than all of these guys, you'd have to think. And I'm sure, you know, Ben Hicks playing at SMU for his whole career, the opportunity to potentially come in and start right away in the SEC would be an attractive option to him. But he'll have a lot of opportunities open to him. I do expect that he's going to at least get a look at the Power 5 level because whatever we want to say about the inconsistency that Hicks showed at times over the last couple of years, he is an incredibly productive quarterback. Uh, he's thrown for over 9,000 yards in three seasons, and even though he didn't start every game this season, he threw for over 2,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, seven interceptions. It's not even that he turns the ball over too much. It's that every interception he throws seems to be backbreaking. So that's something that can be coached out of guys in a lot of cases. Um, you know, this year, the one thing that does worry me, he only completed 56% of his passes this year, 6.9 yards per attempt. So... If he does go to Chad Morris, if he goes to a system that he recognizes, maybe that'll help him out. Uh, he had great success as a redshirt sophomore in 2017, uh, over 3,500 yards passing, 33 touchdowns. So maybe it's Arkansas, maybe it's somewhere else. I, I Like I said, I do think it's going to be at the Power 5 level. I'm curious to see what he does. And for SMU, now they have a very young stable of quarterbacks. Uh, no, Mustang Punk intended. But it sure looks like Will Brown is probably going to be the guy. Uh, Brown actually took over the, for the starting job a couple of times last season as a true freshman from Lamar Consolidated High School in Texas. Uh, against Houston Baptist, he threw for 309 yards and two touchdowns. Against Navy, 150 passing yards, uh, 72% completion percentage, two touchdowns. The yards per attempt wasn't all that great. He doesn't have a hugely strong arm at this point, but that's something that can be taught uh, is, you know, and developed is improving your arm strength a little bit. So I'm curious to see whether Will Brown's the guy. Now, Brown was a freshman, which meant that he did have to be finally recruited by by Sonny Dykes, the, the head coach there, after Chad Morris left. But Brown was also a longtime SMU commit. So he's not necessarily a Sonny Dykes guy. And if you actually look at SMU's recruiting class, which is surprisingly strong, by the way, for uh, for a second-year head coach that didn't have a ton of success in his first season. The only quarterback that they have committed is Terrence Gibson from Houston Westfield, and Gibson suffered a torn ACL and a partially torn meniscus earlier in the year, so he missed most of the season. I'd imagine he's ready by the time that fall camp comes around next season, but it's hard to think that a guy who hasn't played in so long, again, he got hurt in Game 2, wouldn't would be able to come in and start right away for a program like SMU, a really good program that consistently produces high-level talent. So Will Brown looks like the guy, again, maybe there, a team that looks to the grad transfer market as well. But I don't know. At the same time, I don't really think so. I think that maybe Sonny Dykes will want to try to develop a guy and get a long-term answer in there. It'll be interesting to watch uh, both these programs, obviously both in the Metroplex, TCU and SMU. We'll have to see what they do at the position and 
both fan bases are ready to succeed. I mean, TCU, of course, uh, they haven't officially finished below 500 as yet. You know, they can still win the bowl game and not. But Gary Patterson is known for his quick turnarounds. If I remember right off the top of my head, uh, I think that his teams in the season after a below 500 season are something like 44 and six or something like that. It's absurd. He, he's one of the best coaches in college football, but I think quarterback play is going to be a huge, huge deal um, going into next season. And if they're not able to find good quarterback play and maybe Michael Collins is the guy, maybe Justin Rogers is the guy, maybe Max Dugan's the, the guy, but if they're not able to find it, I think that's going to greatly impact what TCU's ceiling can be next season and the Big 12 is only continuing to get stronger. Texas is going to be there. Baylor's going to get better. Oklahoma's not going anywhere. Oklahoma State's going to get better, probably starting Spencer Sanders next year or Drew Brown. It's going to be interesting to watch, but TCU has a lot of difficult decisions ahead. I'm curious to see what they end up doing. Anyway, let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Like I mentioned, we've got Texas A&M Commerce coach David Bailiff. He was very generous with his time. We got about 10 minutes with him, and uh, he answered questions about not just Texas A&M Commerce, but also about Tom Herman, uh, about Texas State, obviously his alma mater, where he used to be the head coach. Uh, it was a great interview. We'll be right back with you after the break. We're here now with the new Texas A&M Commerce coach, David Bailiff. Coach, thank you so much for joining the show. You bet. Great to be here. So, first of all, you know, we have to ask, uh, what makes Texas A&M Commerce the right fit? You know what, it's the people. Uh, you know, that's one of those uh, things when you're, you know, when you're, you're looking at a job had not been offered to you, but you want to make sure it's offered to you, that one, you're going to be happy there, too, that you think you can continue the mission. Uh, and, and I thought all the boxes I needed to get checked were checked, you know, I, you, you go home, you tell every recruit to go home, do that old Ben Franklin test and do all the pros and cons. And I came up with a lot more pros than cons. And uh, so when they offered me the job, I was very excited to take it. You know, last year was your first year out of coaching in quite a while. How did you spend that time? Well, I, I was out, but you know what? It was amazing. I, uh, I, I was hired by big 12 teams and pack teams to go consult. Yeah. So I got to go watch a lot of programs. So while I didn't have my own team, I continued to learn uh, about football and, you know, stay on the cutting edge of it. So uh, I was in it, but it, all I got was a lot of gear uh, everywhere I went from a lot of different teams that now I don't know what to do with because <laughs> I'll, I'll only be wearing A&M Commerce gear. <laughs> well, you know, so, uh, so obviously you've been an FBS coach for a long time. You know, what, what do you think is going to be the biggest uh, change, kind of transitioning down to the Division Two level? Yeah, you know, uh, for me, and and I, and I told them this, the biggest transition is going to be figuring out how to bundle the scholarships and using the institutional aid with your athletic aid because you have 36, and, you know, FBS, you have 85, and they're all full. And, and you have to figure out uh, winnings about numbers of how you can create numbers on those scholarships and uh, Tim McMurray's got some great people in the athletic department to to help me with that, and I've also hired a gonna hiring a guy who's a, a whiz at it. So you got to make sure when you don't know something, you hire somebody that really knows and understands it. And I've done that. Great. Well, you know, was it a difficult decision to come down from FBS to the Division Two level, or was the fit just so good that no, it didn't make you know it? what? Uh, I've never I've never worried about that. I'm a coach. Uh, I got my start at New Braunfels High School. Uh, you, you make the decisions 
I graduated from college in 81. You make the decision to be a coach. It's never was never about finances. It was about love of the game and love of a team. And, uh, you know, at New Braunfels, I lived in a, a mobile home, probably drove the worst pickup truck you've ever seen, never been happy. You know, I was happy, you know. So you, you don't make decisions on, on money. You know, you, you make decisions based on can you make a difference, you know, can you win. Uh, and I'm going to have fun. You know, I'm going to have fun with my team, and, and that's that's what it's on. So I, I've never, you know, if you look, I've been a FCS, I've been a high school, uh, you know, FBS, FCS, now Division Two, and I've, I've been happy at every job I've had. So Texas A&M Commerce, you know, you mentioned a little bit in your press conference, but, you know, this is a program that has really emerged the past couple of years. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you've been in touch with Colby Carthel a little bit. What do you think is the primary thing you guys need to focus on to maintain the success that they've had the past couple of years? Well, immediately it's holding these recruits he has committed. Uh, you know, junior college signing date's December 19th. Uh, so as soon as I was hired and passed my recruiting test, I was on the phone to him. Uh, I've got a coach out there today visiting with them, and, and I'm, I'm going to get there as soon as I can get there and see him also. Uh, and, you know, Colby's done a great job of evaluating talent. So at this time of year, it's not one where I can say, let's start over. It's those where if Colby's got them committed, let's keep them committed. Right. You know, obviously you, in many ways, are Texas football. You know, you've coached at Rice. You've coached at Southwest Texas State. you played at Southwest Texas State. Um, you know, and obviously one of your protégés was Tom Herman. Uh have you been in touch with him sort of in the last year? You know, you mentioned being in touch with a couple of Big 12 teams. And how do you think he's done uh, to start off at Texas? Well, I think, yes, I've been in touch. He actually just texted me yesterday. Uh, you know, you leave guys alone in season. You try to because they're just so busy. Uh, but I, I think right now I have seven or eight former coaches that work for me that are at the University of Texas. Uh, you know, those are... You, you feel like you, you've mentored those guys. And you don't just mentor your players. You try to mentor young coaches and help them grow up, too, and that's part of my job. And I'm proud of Tom. You know, I played in the Big 12 championship this year, uh, and it looks like he's getting the, restoring the pride and that was missing. What do you think right now of the state of football across the state of Texas, FBS, but also just across? You know, what I, what I really struggle with, is the ability now that they've given young players to transfer out. Uh, you know, all freshmen, if they're not playing, are, are not going to be happy. You know, now we've given them a portal where they can just jump. And, you know, sometimes I think people, you've, you've got to have people work through the hard times, and I think we've made it too accessible for players just to jump ship and go somewhere else. Uh, you, you know, that's part of college, you know, is, fre you know, freshmen and sophomores are wet cement. Most of you are playing with them. You're not winning. You know, they think they're good enough to play, but they're not. Uh, usually they're not. Some of them are. But as a general rule, you like to redshirt freshmen, and, and nobody wants to be redshirted. Uh, and, they're you know, they're going to continue to improve, but a lot of them won't be patient anymore. And I, I think that made it where they didn't have to be, and I think that's a skill set you need to develop as you grow up. And we've taken that ability away now. Yeah, like we mentioned, you uh, you played at Southwest Texas State um, and coached them a, a while back when they and obviously them being Texas State. Uh, have you been in touch with Jake Spavadol and uh, given yeah, any advice? Yeah, uh, Jake and I have talked uh, uh, briefly. I want Jake to win. You know that being my alma mater, uh, and I just told him you know whatever I needed to uh, 
insight I could give him into the community from people or that he needed to make sure he go touch to count me in. And uh, at the end of recruiting, you know, we'll have a more extensive phone call, but uh, I'm, I'm pulling for him. What do you envision at Texas A&M Commerce uh, in to- on top of maintaining sort of the success on field? Uh, what do you think your primary goal is um, from a program and from an, a school perspective as the new head coach here? Well, I tell you, what they didn't talk about today is they're also about to build a $3 million locker room. Uh, that's going to help, you know, a lot, too, in the, re- the recruiting. Um, you know, I, I've just I've got to get there. I want to be part of that university and part of the community. And then, you know, as, as I learn more as I go, uh, you know, I'll, I'll really have a firm compass on what needs to be done right now it's pure speculation on on my part and I just need to get there and, and really see for myself and then come up with the best plan you mentioned that uh, being around all these 18 to 22 year olds makes you feel like you're 30 years old uh, do you think that this is sort of a, a long-term fit sort of job for you and and uh, what do you sort of envision yourself being here well I sure hope you know uh Nobody wants to hear them short time somewhere. <laughs> so, so, no, I hope this is long term. You know, this is, uh, heck, I'd like to be Snyder. You know, I'd <laughs> like to do this till I'm 80. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, like I said, I'm going to work my tail off every day. And uh, this is the greatest, greatest, worst profession there is. You know, uh, sometimes coaches get let go, you know, and that's uh, uh, just a part of it. But like I said, I, I have. I've been happy. You know the secret, I think, really to my success? I've never picked up a phone and looked for a job. I've worked everywhere I've been. I've been happy. Uh, I'm just one of those guys that, you know, I'm loyal to a fault. uh, And uh, I I don't know how else to do it. I'm the product of uh, a guy named Jim Wacker that was my college coach uh, who was, you know, he was the first coach I truly ever had that I felt loved me and cared about me now that didn't mean and there was also tough love you know but it was where I saw how hard I worked for a man that cared more about me than just a player versus how hard I worked for a man just cared for me as a player and uh, he had a big impact in my life and and that's you know my desire is to have a big impact with these young men and, and and help them grow Coach David Bailiff is the new head coach at Texas A&M Commerce University. Coach, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck. You bet. Go Lions. Thanks again to David Bailiff, the newest head coach at Texas A&M Commerce University. David's a great guy, uh, and there's a lot of excitement around that program. Obviously, uh, as everyone knows, Texas A&M Commerce is the most recent program to win a national championship in the state of Texas, and there are going to be high expectations right away. I mean, Bailiff has won everywhere that he's gone. He, like I mentioned, he led Texas State to the national semifinals at the FCS level. He led Rice to 10 wins in two separate seasons. This is a guy who's won before. And he said during the press conference uh, on Wednesday in McKinney, this is the first time I don't have to build a program. I'm taking over a program that's already there and I have to maintain. It's a different task to be able to do that, to go from uh, leading and building a program up to maintaining a program. We'll have to see whether he's up for the job, but I'll tell you what, David Belf wants to keep coaching, and I think that Texas A&M Commerce is going to be a great place for him. Well, I did mention that Texas A&M Commerce is the most recent team to win a national championship after winning one in 2016, 2017, excuse me. But this one team on Friday can become the most recent to do it 
Number two, Mary Harden Baylor. Number one, Mountain Union. They're facing off in the Division Three National Championship, the Stag Bowl, on Friday night on ESPNU in Shenandoah, Texas. This is going to be a great game. These are two of the premier programs in all of Division Three football. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor in 2016 won their first ever national championship since starting the program in 1997. And on the other end, you have Mount Union, the best program in the history of Division Three college football. 13 national championships to their name, searching for number 14. And a year ago, these two teams actually faced off in the national championship game. Now, in that game, Mount Union was able to have their way with Mary Harden Baylor, holding them to no points in a 12-0 victory over Mary Harden Baylor. But the Crusaders this year are much more productive, much better a much more complete team, in my opinion. But in a lot of ways, these teams are similar. Uh, on the Mary Harden Baylor side, you have to look at running back Markeith Miller. He was just named an All-American. He had over 1,700 rushing yards, 1,774 rushing yards, 29 touchdowns on 6.7 yards per carry for Mary Harden Baylor this season. He's a an absolute freak at the position. He's one of the best running backs in the state of Texas. In fact, we might put out an all-Texas team later in the year. Markeith Miller has to be on it. He's been the most important player on this offense. Uh, but you look at Mary Harden Baylor, this is not just an offensive team. Sure, they average 55.5 points per game. But that's not quite what they're known for, actually. They're known for their defensive prowess. They're holding opponents to just 7.9 points per game, just 3.4 yards per play, and 2.3 yards per rush. That is dominance. That is absolute dominance. There was not a team in the country this season that could even come close to Mary Harden Baylor, and they proved it through the playoffs. They played several top 15 teams and a couple of top 10 teams, and they beat them bad. There weren't really any close games for Mary Harden Baylor. And on the other end, though, Mountain Union is about the same thing. They average over 455 yards of offense per game, hold teams to only 250 yards of offense per game. They score 51.1 points per game. They allow 11.5 points per game. This is going to be a really tough matchup. Both these teams are undefeated. They're absolutely dominant. No team has come close to touching them this season. And... You know, while I say that they're very similar, uh, they do it in very different ways. Both of them, I would say, are very run-first teams, run-based offenses um, with dominant overall defenses. But you do look at these teams, and they do look different. Mary Harden Baylor is a speed team. They're the sort of team that you usually find in Texas. Uh, you know, again, Markeith Miller, yeah, he's a big guy, but he can break away. He can have big runs. On the other end, Mount Union is a very physical team, and that caused Mary Harden-Baylor a lot of issues a season ago uh, in the national championship game in the Stag Bowl, and that's why they were held to zero points, because they weren't able to establish themselves at the line of scrimmage. Has that changed? We won't really know. We won't really know until the game happens. That's the reality of it. Um, but Mary Harden-Baylor is a very experienced team, like I mentioned, Markeith Miller, Absolutely great this season. Jace Hammock has thrown for nearly 2,000 yards and 16 touchdowns. Uh, and they actually rotate in at quarterback Denarian Thomas, who's more of a wildcat quarterback. He had seven passing touchdowns this year, but also 13 rushing touchdowns for Mary Harden-Baylor this season. This is a deep team. 
You know, this is a deep team that can score in a lot of ways, that can stop people in a lot of ways. But so is Mount Union. You know, Mount Union, uh, their leading rusher, Josh Petruselli, rushed for 1,474 yards, 19 touchdowns for Mount Union this season, and their quarterback threw for over 2,600 yards, 37 touchdowns, and five interceptions. So they can move the ball a little bit more effectively through the air than uh, Mary Harden-Baylor can, but Mary Harden-Baylor has been dominant on the ground, and they've been even more dominant defensively than Mount Union has been, which is saying something. Mount Union is a team known for physical defense. But Mary Harden-Baylor is up for the challenge. Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, we <laughs> we have a great preview up on the website right now on TexasFootball.com from our small colleges insider, Corey Hogue. He knows small college Texas football better than probably anybody in the world. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you. And uh, he has a computer model that actually helps make predictions. He projects that Mary Harden-Baylor will win this game 35-29. to Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But it would be a big win for Mary Harden-Baylor. It would help really establish UMHB as a national power and potentially a dynasty, making it to three straight Stag Bowls, winning two national championships. It would pretty much lock up Pete Friedenberg as a Hall of Fame coach. I'm curious to see it. I'll be down there on Friday night. If you're at home, make sure and turn on ESPNU. You're going to want to watch this one. It's going to be a great game. And again, Mary Harden-Baylor, they can make history their second national championship in three years. Let's finish things off with our first bowl preview of the season. We got the New Mexico Bowl, North Texas, facing off against Utah State. And in a funny way, this is a game that has some crossover appeal. North Texas, obviously, one of the best teams in Conference USA this season, one of the best group of five teams in the country, one of the best teams in Texas this season. On the other end, Utah State, formerly coached by Matt Wells, who just took the head coaching job at Texas Tech University. If you want to get a little bit of insight into what Texas Tech might look like heading forward, you're going to want to watch this game as Utah State travels to New Mexico to Albuquerque to take on the Mean Green. And Utah State this season has probably been a little bit better than North Texas, probably been a little bit more consistent. They went 10-2 and in the Mountain West, which is a tougher conference than Conference USA, um, and they've been a little bit more consistent. Again, winning 10 games versus 9. However, North Texas has a lot more to play for in this one, in my opinion. The Mean Green are searching for their first 10-win season since Hayden Fry in 1977. Uh their first ever in Conference USA, and perhaps more importantly, they have more of their roster there, and they also have their head coaching staff. Seth Luttrell is coming back to North Texas. He did not take the Kansas State job as many thought he would, so he'll be facing off against a Utah State team that's a little bit younger, that's a little bit, that probably cares a little bit less about being in this game now that they're under an interim coach. Now, Utah State has hired a new head coach in Gary Anderson, the former Utah State head coach and a former Wisconsin and Oregon State coach. But for this bowl game, uh, they're not going to be coached by Matt Wells. They're not going to be coached by offensive coordinator David Yost or defensive coordinator Keith Patterson. Instead, they'll be coached by former co-defensive coordinator Frank Maley. Uh, And Maley, I think, is going to have his team ready for this game. But it's not quite the same when you don't have your head coach. Looking a little bit more into the advanced numbers, uh, Bill Connolly's S&P Plus has Utah State as a narrow 2.7-point favorite against the Mean Green with a 56% chance to win this football game. 
And overall, Utah State's been a very balanced team this year. They rank number 21 in S&P Plus, which is fantastic for a Mountain West team. Number 20 in offense, number 34 in defense. This is a balanced team that can win in a lot of different ways. And actually, you look at the numbers, they had 18 takeaways this season, with several of them going for defensive touchdowns as well. So North Texas has to come into this game, take care of the football, and not make mistakes. Because if they make mistakes, Utah State is going to take advantage of them. They're that good defensively, and they're that organized defensively. Now, we do have to take into account that, obviously, Utah State won't be playing with its head coach. They're going to be under defensive, uh, co-defensive coordinator Frank Maley for this game. And we don't know what their level of motivation is going to be to be playing in the New Mexico Bowl. There's a chance, obviously, that uh, that North Texas can use this, pick up a win, head into the 2019 season with some momentum, and that would be huge for the program. With Seth Luttrell coming back, with Mason Fine coming back, Jalen Guyton, Rico Bussey, uh, obviously they're going to get back Lauren Easley for next season too, uh, their star running back who got hurt earlier in the year. There's a lot coming back. This can be a momentum game for North Texas if they let it be, but... You know, on paper, Utah State should probably win this game. But games aren't obviously played on paper. North Texas has a great chance to win. They have a great chance to pull an upset. They have a great chance uh, to not shock the world exactly, but they have a great chance to build some momentum heading into the 2019 season. I'll be curious to see if they can do it. Like I mentioned, this game will be taking place on Saturday in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Obviously, it's the New Mexico Bowl, 11 a.m. on ESPN. And actually, funnily enough, it's the first game of bowl season. (laughs) So, welcome. We've made it. We're officially at college football postseason. There's going to be a lot more games over the next couple of days and the next couple of weeks. We'll be here to help you run through every single one of them, all six bowl games. We'll preview every single one of them. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. As I mentioned, you can find all my work at textfootball.com. You can find uh, us on Twitter at DCTF. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Dave Campbell's Text Football. You can find me on Twitter at Shahanjay Araja. Thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. You know, I was joking with some of our friends in the office. You know, the game this weekend is on Friday in Shenandoah, Texas, which means you got to drive that I-45 corridor, right? Not my favorite road in the world going down to Houston from Dallas. But... Luckily, I don't have to worry because I'm driving a North Texas Honda. I'm driving my Honda Accord, which I bought from a North Texas Honda dealer. And so I know that this car is going to be reliable. And I know if anything happens, North Texas Honda dealers are going to be there to help. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week.